You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Happy birthday, Harvest! I don't know what you were doing 10 years ago today, but I was quaking in my boots because we were about to open the doors to this brand new church and we didn't know if anybody would show up. And yet we opened those doors and 250 people showed up and then we thought, oh, now we're really scared. What do we do with all these people? Fortunately, only 150 people came back the next week. So I must've done a really great job in the sermon. And that's what we call church growth when you're planting a church. And uh, yet that was kind of the, the foundation. And then the next week, one of the people that showed up was Micah Clutenot with his guitar. And uh, there was another guy that showed up on the very first day there. Uh, We didn't have any money to pay Micah. And so this guy said, hey, I'll throw down $10,000 to get Micah here. And so I told Micah, we can pay you $2,000 a month for five months, but it's over after that uh, unless the Lord provides. And the Lord's been providing ever since. And so we're here to celebrate this morning. I want to call my buddy Adam up here for a minute. Come on, Adam, quickly. Come on, show all your athletic ability. All right. Now, the reason I'm calling Adam up here is because I want you to see what a 10 year old looks like. Okay. This is our church. All right. Now, how many of you would agree that there is some cuteness involved in a 10 year old? Okay. So as a church, we are kind of cute. Okay. But we all know that Adam's best days are ahead of him, right? Adam is able to carry more weight than he was able to carry when he was five. And just like um, Adam, our church is able to carry a little more weight. But think about all the things that we're going to be able to do when we fully grow up. So that's us. More to do, more responsibility, going to carry more weight. So thanks so much, Adam. Give Adam a hand as he makes his way down there. Now, I know that not everybody here in the room were, was here on the very first Sunday. How many of you were actually in the room when we launched that church at North Point Elementary School? Raise your hand if you were there on the very first Sunday. A few people on the front row, a few people still in the back. I see some people that were five when we launched the church that are now 15. And I see uh, a lot of you that like, I, I would like to appreciate that, but I just wasn't there. Okay, so let's, let's rewind time machine back to 2009, February 8th, 2009, the first words that were ever spoken by me to Harvest Bible Chapel Granger were these. Today is a historic day. If God gives us his favor, we will often look back on this day in the years to come to celebrate the birthday of a healthy, growing, maturing church. Those of us on the launch team have given countless hours, thousands of dollars, and shed many tears in preparation for this day. Our motivation is not to promote ourselves, our opinions, or our creative ability. We live with a very sobering sense that we have been sent to communicate a timeless message in a timely fashion preserved forever in the Word of God. We will not measure our success by attendance, by dollars, or by meeting felt needs. We believe the world has seen enough of the church's futile attempt to impress them or to convince them that Jesus is still relevant. 
our measure of success will be obedience to God in the transformation of self-focused lives into Christ-centered lives. We simply want to be a church God can entrust with his glory. When the world sees God's glory in God's church, some will be drawn to it. Some will be repelled. But let it be known forever that God's glory is the one thing this church cannot live without. That was true on day one, and that is true today. We are wasting our time if we are trying to do anything other than meet with God. Glory going up from God's people and God's glory coming down in God's presence. What we were doing on the first day is what we are doing today. The first place I told our people to open their Bibles was Ephesians chapter 3. And I read this scripture on that morning. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Not just for 10 years, but forever. The purpose of this church is to give God his rightful glory. And in giving him glory, we get to experience that glory changing us moment by moment, day by day, year by year, and now decade by decade. It all is about the glory of God. The first series we ever preached in this church, in this church was called Glory in the Church. And I asked them to open their Bibles to this passage in Exodus chapter 33, where God's people were walking away from him and walking ahead of him. And God says, hey, I'm not going with you. And Moses, the great leader, goes after God and says, wait, wait, God, wait, wait. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. And then he prays that famous prayer. Please, please show me your glory. From the very first day, our church has been praying that prayer. And we believed. What if there was a church in Michiana that was more concerned with what God thinks about the church than what people think about the church? What if there was a church that prioritized gathering together to meet with God above meeting with anybody else? What if there was a church that understood the one thing that this church has to offer that no other institution can offer is the glory of God and it's the most desperate need of the heart's of men? What if there was a church where people were committed to knowing one another, loving one another, 
challenging one another, edifying one another, encouraging one another, and at times even rebuking one another until there was full display of the glory of God in their lives. It's what we call the discipleship process. As we, as we take up our cross, we deny ourselves and we follow Jesus, we do that together in community. What if there was a church that instead of relying upon marketing strategies, lie, uh, relied firmly on the power of prayer to get done what strategy and marketing could never do. That's what we wanted our church to be about on day one. That's what we want to be our church about heading into our second decade. We have seen God's glory. Those 13 people that originally came together in Bob and Donna Hogarth's basement to believe that God would do something that they uh, one day could tell the story of. And, and they were praying for a pastor for a year and a half and finally God sent them one. And then they really needed to pray uh, when he showed up because I mean, really, really, this is the best we could get. And, and Andrew and I felt the same way. And so we desperately needed God's glory to show up and he did. And we opened the doors and those 250 people showed up and slowly God began to change us and God began to build community. We grew, grew to about 400 people and finally there was a church that was actually meeting in this location, Cornerstone Community Church, that said, hey, um, we, we need would you be willing to adopt us as a church? And we said yes. And so God put these two churches together as one and Cornerstone folded into the leadership of Harvest Bible Chapel. And actually before we moved in, we realized we can't even fit all the people in here because this room could only, you could only squeeze about 300 people in here. And so by faith, God's people gave about a million dollars and we knocked the wall down and we pushed the, the space out to here. We created this 600 seat auditorium. And then we showed up on that very first Sunday to worship in here, February 12th, 2012, our third birthday, and 601 people showed up. Built it too small. So now we're going to have to go to two services, and then three services, and four services. And these people that kept showing up in here, they were very fertile, and they made babies, and, and we, they just bring in their babies everywhere, and we got to have a place for them, we have a place for them. So we sought the Lord, and by faith, God's people gave about $2 million, and we were able to expand that disciple factory out there. It's what we call it, where all the kids are being discipled right now while we're being discipled in here, and, and God provided for that need. And God gave us an opportunity to become the lead church for six Harvest Bible chapels in the second poorest country in the world, Liberia. I didn't know the difference between Liberia and Libya until I went there and saw the need and saw God at work. And those six churches have now multiplied into nine churches that we are supporting and, and training. And so grateful for Kevin and Lori Corhorn that are leading the way in that effort. And then we had opportunity to multiply ourselves as a church. And we sent our first church planter out to Fort Wayne. You saw Pastor Jamie Hart on the screen. And then you saw Pastor Jeremiah that we sent to plant Harvest Bible Chapel in Pittsburgh, our second church that we planted, our third church that we planted was in St. Louis with Micah Mathis that you saw a few minutes ago. And then our fourth church that we planted up in St. Joseph, Michigan under the leadership of Pastor Jamie Maxim. And then we just launched our fifth church down in Belize under the leadership of Pastor Enrique there. Do you understand our church has planted five churches in its first 10 years? That is a demonstration of the glory of God. And I don't think we're finished. If God has his way, we believe our church may be able to plant four churches 
this year alone. And one of those is over in Elkhart. You've been hearing about what God's doing in Elkhart. So I have a big announcement for you, and it is related to Elkhart. We have a launch date. We're going to open the doors of our Elkhart County campus on April the 14th, 2019. That is 12 weeks away, okay? So we're excited about that. Now, I know some of you are clapping like, oh, that's so nice. Some of you that are clapping live in Elkhart County. Stop coming to church here. (laughs) Go to Elkhart. Connect with Pastor Ben. He'll let you know when the next time they're meeting. And and we will put you to work. This sounds so hard. It's, It's right. You're sitting here enjoying the benefits of some hard labor that went into planting this church. And who's to say that what God wants to do in Elkhart would be even greater than what he's done here? It all takes effort. It all takes faith. God's glory is at work. We've connected with local ministries here so we can get to the hardest places that are the closest to us in downtown South Bend. Hope Ministries and Transformation Ministries and people that we've sent out of here that right now we're supporting missionaries in Iraq and missionaries missionaries in Prague that are planting churches. I think one of the greatest demonstrations of God's glory that I hear, and I hear it often, people will come to me after coming to our church for a few weeks or months, maybe even years, and this is what they'll say to me. They'll say, Trent, is it possible that although I have been in church all of my life, it wasn't until I started coming here that I actually heard the gospel and tragically the answer is yes we are a gospel centered church we planted a church to preach the gospel and that's a message that so many churches even though it's the central message of the Bible is no longer being preached and the gospel is not just something we preach and believe one time we preach it to ourselves every day and we believe it every day because every day I sin every day I need to be saved from myself and my sin and so I have to repent and believe the gospel every time I hear it and so that is something that really is a demonstration of God's glory. So we're entering a new season. I just want to assure you there are some things that are never going to change. We're a vertical church. Our mission isn't changing. Our mission is to go after the glory of God. We're a vertical church, but not only that, we are a missional church. We lift up our eyes to the Lord. Yes. Then we lift up our eyes to the fields to see the Lord's work because there is a world out there that needs what we have in here. We are not just committed to getting the gospel right, as important as that is, we're committed to getting the gospel out. You can't get the gospel out if you don't get the gospel right. And so we're committed to vertical, we're committed to missional, that's not changing. But there are some new things that we're looking forward to. And I want to let you know what those are. You've heard this, this is not new news, but we're, we're trying to create some new space around here because you people keep coming and you keep bringing your friends and, and, and you keep making babies. So we, we need some new space and you've heard about that. Announced the Made for More campaign about a year ago. Let me just give you an update on that real quick. Okay, so here's the deal. 
We are about $1.6 million short of where we thought we would be in this three-year campaign. We're, we're a year in, okay? And we're, we're not quite where we want to be. So we're having to make adjustments. We're not worried about that. We're not stressed about that. Here's the deal. If you took that $1.6 million and divided it in half, $800,000 would get these buildings that we are trying to build, we would get those buildings up in a shell form, okay? We would like to do that immediately. Unless there's $800,000 that appears in the next few weeks, we're going to have to push the pause button on that. Okay, now $800,000 would keep the project going. The other $800,000 would get the project finished. Okay, so I'm saying that, we're not stressed about that, but if you've not yet become a part of the project, if you're new to Harvest or maybe you haven't been convinced or maybe you just haven't been obedient with where the Lord wants his money to go, then throw in, okay? And we can get that done because we want to see some new stuff happen around here and be excited about all the great things that God's doing, but it takes generous, sacrificial people to fund the mission that God's put on our hearts. And so we want to plant churches, new churches in South Bend, new churches in Budapest, and new church in Elkhart. By the way, next week we're writing an $80,000 check to Portable Church to buy all the Portable Church equipment, stage, sound, you know, children's equipment, banners, flyers, a new trailer, the cases that it all has to go in. If you want to throw in to help with that project, throw in to help with that project, and it'll accelerate the work there. So, new space, new churches, same mission, same passion, same church. But there is one more thing that's going to be new. And this was what you all showed up to hear today. Today on our 10th birthday, I'm announcing with great joy and confidence that we will be changing our name as a church. You can breathe now, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna walk through this together, okay? I can see the wheels turning in your head. You say, wait, wait, how, is that, is that even allowed? Is that even biblical? Oh, oh wait, Here, here's the thing. Do you know how serious God is about names in the Bible? God loves to give names to stuff. And there, there was no doubt what God the Father wanted his son's name to be called. He made it real clear. And his name shall be called Jesus. And so we call him Jesus because God named his son. But not only that, all through the Bible, God loves to rename stuff. I mean, think about it. You know these stories. He renamed Abram, Abraham. He renamed Sarai, Sarah. He renamed Jacob, Israel. He renamed Saul, Paul. Because they'd had an encounter with God and he changed their identity inside so much, he wanted them externally to be identified by a new name. So why would we change our name? Let me see if I can give you some context here. So on February the 8th, 2009, our church was born as Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Now, our church was the 37th church of what became 150 Harvest Bible Chapels that were planted in cooperation with the Harvest Bible Fellowship which is the church planting arm of Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. 
And it was a great name. There was so much momentum and identity around that name. It gave us alignment. It gave us a, uh, clarity. It gave us a family with other churches. And um, we were grateful for all the investment of Harvest Bible Fellowship, all those pillars that we enjoy talking about, the unapologetic preaching and the unashamed worship, the unceasing prayer, uh, the, un uh, the, the unafraid witness, all of those things were gifts that we received from Harvest Bible Fellowship for which we are in incredibly grateful. More than that is just the focus on the vertical, the focus on the glory of God, which um, was so much in line with who we were at the beginning. Now, you may not know that eight, about 18 months ago, in the summer of 2017, the founder of Harvest Bible Fellowship, Pastor James McDonald, resigned from his position as president of Harvest Bible Fellowship to focus on his own church. And the Harvest Bible Fellowship almost immediately was dissolved. Another organization was born called the Great Commission Collective. About 80 former Harvest Bible chapels became a part of the Great Commission Collective. I'm very privileged to serve on the board of directors for the Great Commission Collective. We're all gonna be together this week as we uh, fellowship and encourage one another at, at our senior pastor's retreat. So really grateful for the Great Commission Collective. So I want you to understand that from day one, our church has always been an autonomous church with autonomous local elders. But it seems like no matter how much I say or our elders say, we are no longer associated with Harvest Bible Chapel Chicago, it is assumed that we are linked because we share a name. And the name Harvest Bible Chapel, which used to be such a strength, has now become a burden. Um, it grieves us to hear the reports of failed governance and a toxic leadership culture that's being reported at Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. And we're, we're praying for genuine repentance and reconciliation for everybody involved. But we want to make it clear, we are not that church. We are different. We have our own flaws and we have our own dysfunction, but we are committed to building a culture of humility, integrity, and accountability. And those that are in leadership can tell you those are sweet things that are highly valued in our culture. Now, since our church was born, God has been writing this incredible story of his glory right here in our own church. And we don't want to let the story that God is writing to be miswritten by somebody else holding the pen. So we believe the next chapter is filled with a lot of great opportunity. It's filled with a lot of influence that we want to steward well. So choosing a new name for our church allows us to be identified distinctly by our own character, our own values, and our own impact. So what we've done, this was a directional decision by the elders of our church in cooperation collectively with our entire staff and our whole team coming together to seek the Lord about his name for our church. 
So uh, we've been thinking and dreaming and praying for months about this. In the last couple of weeks, we made it a matter of urgency and I pulled everybody together and I said, look, this is not going to be an exercise in creativity. This is going to be an exercise in listening to the Holy Spirit. This is God's church. God loves to name stuff. So let's seek him about what he wants to name this church. Now, before I re reveal to you the name, let me just tell you, we have discovered it is a lot easier to critique a name than it is actually to create a name, okay? I mean, we came up with some great, awful names. And there are some, aw the, wor the longer you talk, the worse the names get. At one point, T. Griff's Bible Shack was on the table. Okay, so that's, we're just not gonna name that. This church, it's not gonna be there. Steeple people, no, it's, we don't have a steeple. So, now listen, every name has its shortcomings. And two people can see the same name and have completely opposite reactions to it based on your past experience, okay? So realize, over time, a name simply becomes the accepted norm, no matter how strange. Who in their right mind would name a computer an apple? And yet, that seems to have worked out pretty well, okay? So we, we're... We, we accept the name and it just becomes a part of, of our identity. A name is important, but listen, a name of a church is not ultimate. Don't make a bigger deal out of the church name than it should be. There is only one name that matters. It is the name above every other name. We've been singing our faces off about that name this morning. What is that name? It is Jesus. That is the one name under which we gather. We are Jesus people. So are you ready for the name? Today on February the 3rd, 2019, our 10th birthday as a church, we are joyfully and confidently announcing that we are changing our name to Gospel City Church. So let's talk about that name. Three different names put together in one name. Let's go in reverse order. First of all, why did you name it a church? Because that's what Jesus called it. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he made a promise. He said, I will build my church. He didn't promise to build an organization. He didn't promise to build anything. He promised to build a church and he's been building a church here in Granger. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you see the word church there? That's the first time that word appears in our Bibles in Matthew chapter 16 there. Let me tell you what it means. It's a Greek word. The word is ekklesia. It means to call out of. The church is a gathering of those who have been called out of something and called out to something. We are called out of sin, we are called out of the world, and we are called to believe and to proclaim the gospel. So it always implies movement. As a church, we are called out of the world, but then we are sent back into the world. The church is not a building. 
It's more than a gathering. It's a gathering of people who gather and scatter, gather and scatter. We're gathered today. In a few minutes, we're going to scatter back to the mission field that God has given each one of us. And so you've got to think of church as a movement. The moment you stop thinking of church as a movement is the moment you stop the movement. And we want to be part of a movement. And if you're part of Gospel City Church, you're not just part of a church, you're part of a gospel movement. So Jesus is building his church. The second word is city. Now I know what you're thinking. You're probably reacting the same way that I reacted when I first heard this. I'm like, have you looked around? Our church is in the middle of a cornfield in northern rural Indiana. Okay, I mean, the best you could say about South Bend, it's a small town, medium size, maybe on a good day. But city, I mean, that's kind of a stretch, right? But then I understood when we say the word city, we're not describing where we live. We're describing how we live. A church lives like a city, a city within a city. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are a city. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Our job as a church is to illuminate the city as a city within a city. Can you imagine the day that Gospel City Church would become the greatest influence for good in this city. That the darkness all around us would be illuminated by the light that is the Gospel City Church. And word would begin to spread about the influence and the good that the Gospel City Church is doing within the city. We are a city within a city. Not only that, we are a city that is sent to the city. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, the Lord is addressing his people who actually have been taken captive and are being held by an evil city, Babylon. This was not their city, didn't share their values, didn't share their worldview at all. And there were some within God's people like, shouldn't we just be like, create a conspiracy, uh, a coup? Should we burn the city to the ground? Shouldn't that be our mission here for God? And God says, no, you are to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. It's not an accident you're there. You've been sent there by God. And what are we to do while we're there? Pray to the Lord on its behalf and in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This city ought to be a better city because Gospel City Church is here. Getting the gospel right and getting the gospel out and dealing with the issues of the city that need a gospel presence. We're a city that is sent to a city. Not only that, we are longing for a better city. In the book of Hebrews, the writer there gives commentary on Abraham, who was always roaming around looking for a city. Abraham, it says, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Isn't that the city you want to live in? Some, a city that wasn't made by human engineering, 
A city that, that had better city planners than the one that we live in? Yeah, there is a city like that. It's a heavenly city. It goes on and says, as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call them their God for he has prepared for them a city. The good news of the gospel is all of those that have been called out of the world have been called into a city that is being prepared for us. Anybody here looking forward to immigrating to that city one day? Yeah, only, the only thing you have to do is die. That's, that's how you get there, okay? I mean, that's quite a wall, too. You got to get over that wall to get into this other city there. And so it goes on. It says, for we have no lasting city here, but we seek a city that is to come. So if anybody asks you, like, why'd you put city in the name? All you have to tell them is this. We are a city within a city. And we are sent to a city and we're longing for a better city, Gospel City Church. Not about where we live, but about how we live. And then there's this first word, Gospel. We got to thinking, like, what is the most often repeated word in our church? Gospel. That's it. We're a gospel-centered church. We believe the gospel. We preach the gospel. We live the gospel. We share the gospel. And the gospel is simply this. God is holy. Man is sinful. Christ is Savior. Repent and believe. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I need a perfect Savior substitute. Jesus died on a cross in my place as a substitute for my sin. And only those who repent and believe shall be saved. That's the gospel in a short few sentences. And that's not something you believe one time. The gospel is not just how you get into the city. The gospel is how you live in the city. I need to preach the gospel to myself every single day. Every failure to believe the gospel leads to a failure in the Christian's life. And so when I hear the gospel, I need to repent and believe. But the gospel's the lens through which I see a broken, fallen world. All of the injustice, all of the brokenness, all of the pain, all of the hunger, I view that through the lens of the gospel, understanding the sin behind all of that is answered with the good news of Jesus Christ. So we are Gospel City Church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us about how important the gospel is. Central message of the Bible. He says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and was on the third day raised from the dead in accordance with the scripture. One of the things that we love about this new name is how unique it is. Has anybody ever heard of another Gospel City Church? We did our best research. I think we were able to identify three. There's one in Arlington, Texas, and there's one in Seoul, South Korea. Both of those are Korean congregations, and there's one in Gainesville, Georgia. And so it's a very unique name. We've got an opportunity here to really identify us as a church. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know the questions you have in your mind right now. So let me attempt to answer a few of them. Here's the first one. Are you guys not smart enough to figure out that the initials of Gospel City Church are GCC? 
And I want to assure you, although we are not the smartest people in the world, we know what the initials are. And we have friends at Granger Community Church, and we're a part of the Great Commission Collective and Gospel-Centered Church and all kinds of other churches that use it. Listen, here's the solution to that. Don't use the acronym to describe our church. You don't use HBCG now, do you? So if somebody asks you, where do you go to church? You answer them, Gospel City Church. Or if you're in a hurry, Gospel City. Those work great. That's, that's the name of our church. Others of you say, well, what about the logo? Are we changing the logo? We're changing the name. Do we have to get rid of the logo? The logo's so cool. It's the coolest logo in the world. I totally agree. I love the logo, right? There will be a new logo. We're working on that. It's a creative process. It's actually a lot of fun, but we're not ready to roll that out. But we are working on that as we speak. Others of you say, well, wait a minute. Trent, you've always said that our middle name was Bible, and, and now I don't know if I can be a part of a church that doesn't have a, the Bible as its middle name, and are we not, we're not going to preach the Bible anymore, and I just... What is the central message of the Bible? The gospel. That's our first name, okay? <laughs> Is there any doubt that we're going to preach the Bible? Yes, we hold strongly to the authority of God's Word. That will never change. And so we, we love the Bible. What about the word Granger? I say, I say, you know, Harvest Granger. Well, that distinguishes us from other Harvest Bible chapels. But now we're not named other Harvest Bible chapels, so we don't need the name Granger. Here's the reality. Most of you don't live in Granger. You come from all over the place, all over this community. And, and we're not limited to reach Granger. Like the first century church, we're called to make disciples of all nations, starting in Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the, the, the earth. There are people in the uttermost parts of the earth right now who are watching this service. And so to attach the word Granger kind of limits our geographical reach. We, we have a global reach now and we're responsible for all of that. Some might say, well, are we still going to sing vertical worship songs? Yes. We've never chosen names because of who wrote them. We choose them because of how theologically rich they are and how they help us get out of ourselves and focus on the character of God. You might say, um, what about other churches we plant? Are you going to require them to be called Gospel City Church? No. Autonomous churches can name themselves whatever they want to name themselves. When we plant a campus like Elkhart... We'll plant the campus as Gospel City Church, Elkhart Campus. Uh, if and when that church becomes a autonomous, those elders and that leadership can call themselves whatever they want to be. But when we plant a campus, we're one church in maybe two locations on a couple of different campuses there. Here's a question. When is this happening? When, when should I start referring to our church as Gospel City Church? And the answer to that question is right now. We are Gospel City Church. Now listen, it's going to be a weird transition because you're going to say we're Gospel Harvest Bible Center Church of Granger, I think, in the city. You know, no, it's, we're going to have to figure it all out. Listen, there's going to be a weird transition for all of this. It's, it's okay. We're going to get through it together. Uh, I had a lady come up. She, she gave me her business card this morning after the first service. And she said, I moved my business here. I was so excited about to find my church. And I wanted people that I gave my business card to, to know where I went to church. So on the back of it, I just printed, 
Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. And she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to like print any business cards. And I'm like, my business cards say the same thing, you know, and, and every sign and every pen and every coffee cup has all of that on there. So it's going to take a long, it's weeks and months maybe even to change signage and our website and digital footprint, all the different things. It's okay. We're going to get through it together. Okay. So don't be worried about that. There's one question that I was told I must answer. And here it is. To whom do I make my checks payable? You're writing your offering check, your tithe check, and, and the answer is this, please hear me, okay? Until you are directed otherwise, make your checks payable to Harvest Bible Chapel Granger, okay? Let's all just practice that right now. Just take out your checkbook right now <laughs> and write a check. Some of you have never done this before. It would be a good time to start. Harvest Bible Chapel Granger, and then at some point in the future, I will direct you, someone will tell you, you can switch all that over. So listen, we gotta, we gotta talk to banks and financial institutions, there's all kinds of paperwork that has to be done, but you can start referring to our church as Gospel Center, a Gospel City <laughs> Church. I told you it's gonna take some time. Gospel City Church. Open your Bible. Open your Bible to Luke chapter five. Open your Bible to Luke chapter five. Now, just in the last few minutes here, I want us to hear from God about something Jesus said to people like us who are aging. We're getting older. And Jesus had some things to say to people that were threatened to fall into just living in the old days, the good old, remember the good old days? Man, it was so great when we were in the gym and then we moved into here. Listen, this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter five, verse Beginning in verse 37, Jesus says, no one puts new wine in old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst, and the sk burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put in fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking the old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. What's Jesus saying? He's using a word picture here of, of new wine. In the context here, Jesus is clearly the new wine. He's new on the scene, and Jesus is presenting himself as, a, as a new thinking for a bunch of old, crusty, religious fatheads, the Pharisees, right? So they'd gone so long in their traditions that they really liked stuff old. They didn't like new stuff. And Jesus referred to them as old wineskins. So just like you would carry a water bottle around, they carried wineskins around that were sewn animal skins. They would pour the wine in there. But with new wine, it would ferment. It would still be fermenting. It would um, expel gas and it would expand this container, this wineskin, because it was new wine. An old wineskin had lost its elasticity. It had lost its flexibility brittle, not able to contain anything new. You know, there are some churches like that. Churches get caught up in who they have been and what their past was and man, the heyday and the good old days. And listen, we don't ever want to be like that. We, we celebrate what God has done in the past, but our focus is what God is yet to do. New things. Not only do churches become like that, people can become like that. 
And my greatest fear is that you would be here and whether you're 75 or 15, if this message has become old to you, it's time for you to open your heart and to welcome some new wine, new experience with Jesus. Every time we gather to church, it's an opportunity to open our hearts and say, Lord, I want to receive you. It's great what you did yesterday, but I need a new forgiveness. I need new cleansing. I need new power. I need new vision. I, I need a, a new understanding of the gospel so that I can live victorious over sin and self. That's what we come together for. So it's, it's great to celebrate 10 years, but you don't ever want to get caught up. See the last statement there? He's like, nobody after drinking old wine desires the new, for he says, it's, it's the old is good. That was a rebuke. He was like, you can't appreciate how good the new tastes because you're so satisfied with something you've always had. You don't ever want to have that experience. I don't ever want my heart to get crusty and inflexible without changing and growing and room for Jesus to do new stuff in my life. And that's what I want for you. It's what I want for our church. I want you to stand with me. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes for a moment. We're going to end our time in worship. And even in this season of worship, would you just be asking God to do new things in your heart, in our church, Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done in and through our church. To you be the glory. And God, as we turn the page and enter our second decade, I pray that we would see so many new things happening. We would see new birth, new transformation. We'd see new marriages, even old marriages become new. That we'd have new outreaches and new influence. Pray God we'd have new power new forgiveness, new opportunity. God, I even pray that you would give us new square footage to do these things that you've called us to do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.